the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs. 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, Go to four82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the Combat Cast. Man, they call Dave Chevaruni. And all right, all right, all right. Let's talk about it, guys. We got some fights to talk about today. But before we do that, Chevy, what do we got coming forward? All right, July 30th, we're going to be previewing UFC pay-per-view 277. That's Pena versus Nunez 2. Then August 6th, UFC fight night, Santos versus Hill. Might talk about Jake Paul fight a little bit. And then August 13th, we have UFC fight night, Vera versus Cruz. All right, so some good shit coming up. Good stuff this past weekend. We can get right to that. Let's talk a little bit undercard usually i'll ask you what your undercard fight was i'll pick one real quick though ricky simon jack shore arm triangle choke round two ricky simon this fucking bantamweight division <laughs> like i don't care like what you're ranked there's just so many good as i think joe rogue was like there's good dogs in this you know mm-hmm. okay like they're not you know like maybe as high rate but ricky simon's a guy that uh, simone excuse me he has a victory over uh, marab i know it was questionable but you know like it's still yeah <laughs> it was questionable but yeah it is a it is a victory so it's very interesting what did you think of that and any other prelim fights i was surprised i mean I knew Ricky Simone was a tough guy, but Jack Shore was undefeated. He's looked great in the UFC so far. Ricky Simone came in and he looked so thick. Like his physique, he looked like he had, you know, beefed up a little bit. So mm-hmm. that could be great as far as, you know, being a wrestling heavy fighter. That could help him for sure as long as his cardio is still good. And he looked great in this fight. So good on him. Absolutely. Dustin Jacoby, too. Another guy got a first round knockout. You could see this one. What do you think? Yeah, Dustin looked great. 
I'd like to see him fight a little bit higher ranked opponents going forward. Yeah, I think he just kind of outclassed the guy, but good on him. That was a great knockout. Absolutely. Yeah. Was he's at light heavyweight here? He is three, four, and oh, and five, six, six, oh, and one in the UFC. Yeah. Wow. Got time, time to fight some ranked opponents. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. He's earned it at this point for sure. Absolutely. And then the prelim main events. I'm going to mess up this guy's name. <laughs> Puna, I think is his nickname. Puna. Puna Hele. Oh, he won. KO Punch. And oh, shit. What round was that? I had it right here. That's I think it was two. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that fight went about as I had predicted. Somebody was going to get violently knocked out, and somebody did. Puna is now, let's see here, he's 9-2. and two. He actually rebounded. He had a two-fight losing streak going. So I'm a fan of him, but the way his fighting style is, I think he's going to be an up-and-down fighter for sure through his career. Super exciting. He's going to be a fan favorite, but you know, he puts himself in danger to put his opponent in danger. So. All right, and we kicked this main card off with Lauren Murphy versus Misha Tate. The story here, we said going in would be tate and how she looked because you know she's obviously a legend in the sport and how she was going to adapt to this weight class but we both also said too lauren murphy is like a real tough opponent out of the gate and that's exactly what happened lauren murphy was on she's got more experience at this weight class maybe a little more comfortable maybe she's just a better fighter at this point too i'm not trying to take any from murphy but at the end of the day she just looked great and she shut down tate here i thought yeah she really beat misha in every area of the fight she was the first one to throw punches she beat her wrestling which was surprising i just don't know if misha was prepared for the speed at the lower weight class maybe you know maybe she makes some adjustments or maybe she decides to go back up to 135 but she just looked a step behind laura murphy who laura murphy is tough and i feel like i always pick against her she's always the underdog in her fights yet she's you know figures a way out she's just so tough she just figures ways out to win these fights yeah i mean i think lauren murphy i mean she's someone that she's kind of almost back in title contention at this point and that someone's got to be up there you know yeah that's what i'm thinking like yeah i don't know i mean she could fight caitlin chuhagen yeah yeah at this point valentina i think should just go up and then maybe the rest of have a shot other than she's definitely cleared out the division at this point for sure and draws would be the one wild card i think in that right she's the one that probably has the best chance at getting a win shane burgos versus charles judane burgos you know i think we both picked him and it was a fight where it was interesting to me burgos came out strong and i thought Burgos ended up using her wrestle, his wrestling a little more here. Yeah, it's basically would won in this fight. Jordan looked cautious to me in that first round a little bit, but as the fight went on, he looked real comfortable with his striking. He looked like round a real, three. Uh, he yo, looked round very three. good. Yeah, I had Burgos winning. It was a close fight. Some had Jordan winning. I think I, some had it a draw, but I thought it was super close. Burgos just had a little more control time overall. I thought in round one and round two. Round one was the one I think that was people had going kind of back and forth a little bit. Jordan. I thought finished a little stronger in that, Mm -hmm. but Burgos still had more control time, I thought. Yeah, I was super surprised because that's an aspect of his game that we haven't seen, his wrestling, and, you know, he did great. He he was pretty low on his performance, especially round three. He was getting getting beat up in round three, but Jordan has skills all over, so the fact that Burgos was able to wrestle him is impressive, so I know Shane wasn't too happy with his performance, but he did show that he can implement wrestling if he has to, and, you know, that 
is something you need to be a title contender, really. So if he can work on that and maybe some a little bit more defense, not get touched up so much, you know, he could be a title contender. Yeah, absolutely. That featherweight division is killer. So then we had probably the craziest fight of the night. I thought this guy deserved a double bonus. Match now coming back against Sue Margie, I believe. Match now submission triangle choke round two, but that really doesn't tell the story. He was getting pieced up. Looked like he ref could have stopped it at one point. I know some people were saying that could have happened and it couldn't, but like at the end of the day, like glad he didn't because match now with such a great comeback, staying in the pocket, just fierce, and then pulls out that triangle choke there on the bottom. Just spectacular. Yeah, I definitely thought he was going to go out. I mean, he got wobbled hard. His legs were wobbling all over the place. But, you know, he does what he always does. He toughs it out. And, yeah, he got that down and got that triangle. Yeah, definitely. I don't know what's next for Matt at, like, flyweight. Maybe he'll just get somebody in the top five, though. He definitely right that whole division is kind of you know the top couple guys and then everyone else is just fighting for a ranking i feel like so obviously that was probably fight of the night but it reminds me of another fight in the prelims that we didn't talk about that bill algio and herbert burns just want to go back to that one real quick herbert burns you know was looking pretty good early on but then he ended up fatiguing and apparently he had a knee injury or something and then algio was just beating him down hard and kept standing up and making Herbert stand up. And eventually, I guess due to a knee injury, he couldn't stand up and they called the fight off as a TKO. You know, easy for me to say, you know, sitting in my recliner watching the fights or whatever, but I hate to say this, but I'd like to see, you know, some sort of x-ray or MRI of a knee injury. To me, it really just looked like he was so tired and so defeated that he couldn't stand up. But I don't know what you thought about that one, Dave. Did you no, see I know that you're talking I don't want to be shitty, but that's what it looked like from watching the fight a couple times. I watched it a couple yeah. times. Yeah, he looked definitely... I mean, he could have been injured, but he also could have been injured, and he could have also just been exhausted and beaten down, and his spirit was broken, and that's really what it looked like to me. Like, he just was mentally and physically broken, and hey, maybe there's an injury to go along with it, but yeah. We saw that in a, in a Bellator fight that we saw at Mohican Sun, I believe. I want to say it was... Oh, baby Slice, right? Baby Slice, yep. He had a leg injury, but... But really, he just fatigued and they took him out on a stretcher and he didn't want to look like shit. So he said it was an injury. But I mean, a lot of skills, a lot of jujitsu skills Herbert Burns has. But Bill Algio was always going to be a tough matchup for him, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, too, it's funny. Like you said, like, we're not one to, like, you know, we're not in there. We're not fighting. These right. Guys. I have no idea. I've never mm-hmm. been in that situation. But. but it's kind of funny. Like, that's there's that saying, cardio makes cowards of us all. And it's just funny to see sometimes because it's like. Yeah, I mean, it's why, like, it's very, you know, the wrestlers, like, because they've got cardios for days, a lot of these guys, and, like, it's why it's such a great attribute, I think, in MMA still, that wrestling base, because not only are you able to, a lot of times, dictate where the fight goes, but a lot of times those guys are just cardio machines, and they don't tired. Yeah, I've heard many, many fighters talk about that is the most frightening thing about going into a fight is you're afraid that you're going to gas out, you know, because that makes everything hard. You, you know, you're almost guaranteed a loss. It's harder to defend yourself. Obviously it's harder to get any offense going. You just feel like you can't breathe. So yeah. And the other thing too, just speaking of cardio and stuff like that, one thing you don't always take consideration with these fighters too, is cardio management. Like the thing about it, you get those openings sometimes and you're just going to go for it. And then 
don't finish the guy. Right. Which could have happened with Sue Marjorie there against Snell. I'm not saying it did because Snell was such a freaking man that he just powered through all that stuff. And Sue might have been freaking out. Sue might have been like, you know, tired. And he, you know, and then next thing you know, he gets rocked. He gets taken down. Right. And that's the great thing about Snell, too. Like, he had cardios for days. Yeah. Well, I hope to see Herbert Burns back looking strong and with a healthy knee. And hopefully I'm just a piece of shit and am wrong calling him out for not getting up because he was tired. But Bill Algio looked great uh, <laughs> as he has lately, and I'm excited to see his next fight. I'm actually happy we were able to tie that back into the last fight we talked about, Snell, with cardio. Yeah. Too. <laughs> this fight we didn't really need a lot of cardio for. Amanda Lemos, submission triangle choke over Michelle Watterson, round two. Oh, did we do we skip a fight? Do we skip Lee well, we, Jing, uh, Jing Lang? Yes. Don't we'll skip that one. guy. We'll skip that. We'll back Don't skip that. the leech. <laughs> so just well, since we talked about Lemos, I'll just say this. Lemos looked good. You know, I think she's definitely a contender at this strawweight class. She got caught in her last fight with Andraz. That's because Andraz is a beast, but I think Lemos is someone that keeps improving. She could be right there too. Watterson might be at the end of her career at this point. I will say, though, she was looking good in this fight before she got caught, at least holding her own. But at the end of the day, Lemos looked like a better fighter. The only other thing I want to make note before we talk about the other fight is that hats off for Michelle Watterson for tapping. Ref missed it, and then she made sure to point it out. No, no, no. I did tap. Yeah, always classy for sure. Yeah, a lot of fighters, a lot of people in general might not have been so damn honest in that moment. When faced with the truth, she did it. So hats off to her for being a great person. Yeah, basically the story of the fight is what I thought going into it is she just wasn't going to have enough power to keep to get Lemos' respect and Lemos was able to just kind of walk forward and, you know, she did get touched up a bit, but she pushed through it and got Michelle down and, you know, subbed her so well like you said respect to waterson gomez now i think she goes by so respect to the karate hottie i don't think her career is done but i i don't see being champ in her future at this point so good luck to lee most pushing on she is a contender for sure yeah all right the leech lee jingling jingling (laughs) always mess up this guy's name beat muslim don't even ask me Okay, <laughs> TKO, elbows, punches, round two. The leech gets it done. He's another guy at welterweight, I think, just kind of like we talked about with Bantamweight earlier, just such a strong weight class that, I mean, obviously there's that tippy top, but like he's right up there with a lot of these other contenders. Right, he just has tremendous power and his aggression in octagon, you know, and ability to use that going forward is great. So it was nice to see him bounce back after the super disappointing performance against Hot. Who just, you know, ducked underneath, picked him up, and then dropped him and submitted him early. So this is nice to see him back. I'm I'm excited for his next fight. I'm always excited for the Leech's fights. I'll throw a potential opponent out there. Probably someone in a similar position with him without looking at the rankings. I don't know, but Jeff Neal. Oh, that's a great matchup. Yeah, between those two. That would be either a war or a very quick fight. Either guy could win. Yeah, I'd be down to see that. Main event time. It's funny. We had this great card, all these finishes, and the fight that we thought for sure can't miss. Three injury happens this almost like a curse of your ear this has happened before with him where he accidentally eye poked this wasn't really anything jeremy stevens yeah but ortega has the shoulder injury shoulder pops out or something in the middle of this fight and happens in basically the first not even the first like within the first minute it didn't even get past past, uh, four minutes left so just this is going on for a little bit here but yeah it happened early and yeah, just unfortunate for Ortega. Yair. I thought Yair was looking good, though. Here's the thing. Before that injury, I thought Yair 
was piecing him up a little bit with the strikes, kind of like what we talked about might happen. I thought Ortega would be a little more competitive. Again, we don't have the first four minutes to judge it, but I thought the year was much better in that situation. However, as this was going on, Ortega did take him down right at that point. Now, Yair put some pressure on that arm, tested that shoulder a little bit, and it popped out. Honestly, too, I, could, I think you can make an argue for a TKO submission on this. I don't know what they called they it. They called it a TKO. They did, okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it is you know it is somewhat of a TKO there, shoulder injury, according to America's trusted news source, Wikipedia. There is an argument online, people saying that this should be counted as a submission, which I, I can kind of see both sides. So, you know, technically, Yair may may you could give him the submission but i think brian ultimately injured himself by trying to jerk out of that arm bar mm-hmm. but you know technically yair put his, his arm in danger so uh, you could call it either way they called it a tko i'm fine with that super disappointing obviously for ortega especially if he has to have surgery he was already out for a year or so you know from his title shot and then if he has to have surgery you know out on another year maybe and also disappointing for Yair because if he is going to get this title shot over Emmett he really needed a, a definitive you know put a stamp on it victory over top contender in Ortega so it's not ideal for either guy really I would like to see this fight further down the road maybe not immediately when Ortega comes back I think Yair should move on fight an Emmett or you know maybe get his title shot or whatever I know the champ is having thumb surgery or something so it might be out a little while so maybe an Emmett versus Yair interim belt or something but you know when Brian comes back maybe he fights one and then gets a shot at Yair again or whatever you know if Brian's gonna be out for a while though I mean Yair and let's say Falconasi is gonna be out for a bit too there is an interesting potential matchup with either Emmett or Bryce Mitchell. Who do you, how do you think he matches up with either of those guys, I guess? Yair? Yeah. Uh, I think he's super dangerous against both guys, to be honest. Yeah. His stand-up is just miles better than both guys. I mean, Emmett is very powerful. He, he would have the power advantage, but Yair's distance management, his kicks, he's going to throw all sorts of stuff stuff at Emmett who is you know not really dodging a lot of stuff when he's coming in I think he gets clipped and hurt or maybe just outpointed as far as Bryce Mitchell stand-up game's real weak if he can get a hold of Yair we would really see if Yair's ground game has improved because you know like Ortega his ground game should be superior to Yair but Yair's been you know as he does between every fight working on his wrestling and improving greatly so we didn't really get to see his improvement but he could be looking pretty good on the ground by the time he fights bryce mitchell if he fights bryce mitchell yeah yeah absolutely that fight did take place and i want to say bryce mitchell's another guy though who constantly shows great leaps and bounds too and i think might be a little bit more of the interesting matchup personally no disrespect to emmett i'm sure emmett feels disrespected by everybody but i'm sure yeah just that guy i think that he kind of falls under the radar a little bit when he saw performances but I think there's just a few other people ahead of him. But I think also because of that power, he's definitely the most dangerous in terms of that puncher's chance, too. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. All right, let's get to the UFC London before I get on with this main card. Any some prelim fights you want to talk about? Yeah, Mohamed Mokaev versus Charles Johnson. That's a good fight. Mokaev won his UFC debut in 58 seconds. And Charles Johnson, this will be his UFC debut, but he has a bunch of experience in LFA, which is a respectable regional promotion. So 
And then uh, Makwan Amirakani, Mr. Finland, will be fighting against Jonathan Pierce. That's that's another one to keep an eye out for. Daniel Wood, Charles Rosa should be a good fight, too. I'm looking at this right now. Yeah, this whole card, you know, as I, I think they've learned to make these London cards bangers, but this whole card, maybe not all the biggest names, but very good matchups for sure. And it's another early card, uh, another 2 p.m. Eastern. I, I thought it was 3 p.m., but I believe it's 2 p.m. Eastern oh, main card. It. I'll check that out. We'll talk about his first fight, though. I love this first fight, man. Paul fucking Craig, 16, 4 and 1, 3 KOs, 13 subs, with the exception of a draw, has never gone to distance in a win or a loss at one draw being Shogun. Four fight win streak, has won five out of his last six, has not lost since 2019. Performance of the night, seven times. Second most submission wins in UFC light heavyweight history. And dead Volkan Osmir. 17 and 6, 12 knockouts, one sub, four decisions. If you look at this guy's losses, though, it's like to Yuri Prohaska, who's a light heavyweight champ, Daniel yep. Cormier. You know, he's had performance of the night twice, too. He's a banger. He's super dangerous. As much as I'm going over Paul Craig, and I love Paul Craig, and I, I am going to pick Paul Craig here, and I think Paul's a favorite. I could see Paul getting fucking starts, too, because Paul takes punishment sometimes. He gets caught, and Osmir is not the guy you necessarily want to do that with. So stylistically, Osmir, I think, is a tough fight for Paul. However, Paul is so damn good when that fight goes to the ground and it has to go to the ground. I think it works for him. I think these guys they, like they know what he's going to do but he just does it anyway and I think we're going to have the same thing here. I think Paul's going to get beat up a little bit, maybe even close to being stopped but he's going to fucking tap him out with a choke or an armbar. I'll go round two. Yeah, I think Ozdemir is actually the betting favorite last time I looked, which wasn't recently, but I do believe he is the betting favorite. But I agree with you 100%. I'm going to go with Paul Craig with a submission, and I think he's going to get clipped and hurt in the fight before that happens. I do think it's going to be all pretty early on, though. I think Craig's going to be coming in, get clipped by something. It goes to the ground, and then he locks up an arm triangle or something like that or snaps one of Ozdemir's limbs. So I'm going to go with a first-round sub for Craig. All right. I like it. I like it. You got first round. I got round two. I, I can see either way. Then we got Meatball Molly, Molly McCann. She always brings it on these London European cards. 12-4, and four, 5 KOs, 7 decisions, fight of the night. She's also had a performance of the night. And she's taking on Hannah Gordy. I don't know much about Hannah Gordy, but she's six and two, only one KO and one sub, four decisions, but never been finished. So it's interesting in the sense that it doesn't look like she's a finisher. She's not over like a power girl, submission girl, but she's a grinder and never been finished. But Molly, man, she always brings it. She has those hands. Molly might be the first to finish this girl. I'm going to go with Molly no matter what. I'll say this one goes the distance, though. I'll say it's a decision. Yeah, I, I think they're feeding Hannah to Molly to help hype this crowd up yeah. because, you know, she feeds off the crowd so much and she's so good about hyping them up also. So I, I think you're right that Molly's the better fighter. Goldie's tough, but I, I think she's going to get it finished in this one. I'm going to go with round two KO for Molly Meatball McCann. I like it. This is next fight. <laughs> Another. Dunk. I'm so excited for this fight. Randy, I just got the comments. I just want to throw something out here. What's up, Chevy and Dave? And then we got Chevy and Dave. Do you think there will be any big knockouts this week? Randy, I do. And why don't I just start with this next fight? Because I think we're going to get a knockout here one way or the other. Nikita Krylov, 27-9, and 9, 11 KOs, 15 subs, one decision, two fight losing streak. One decision and those 27 wins alexander gustafson 18 and 7 11 ko's three subs four decisions 
but he's on a three-fight losing streak. This guy's had fight of the night four times, performance of the night once. It's been a little while since he's fight. He's had a Hall of Fame fight with John Jones, folks. So Gustafson is a guy who's been a star, and he's been close. He's been so close to getting that light heavyweight title in the past twice. But he's been out for a while. I like this matchup for him. Assuming we got some of the Gustafson of old, I think Kryloff is a perfect style fight for him. I could see Gustafson getting caught, though, because we don't know what's been going on the last couple of years with this guy. I think we're going to get a finish, but I'm going to put my money on Alistair and Mr. Gustafson. Might be going with my heart here, but I think Gustafson gets it done. I'm going to go around. I'm going to say even uh, a little later, right? Round three. I'm going to say he put some work in, and these guys go for a few rounds, but round three, TKO. All right, so Krylov is the betting favorite, which makes sense because Gustafson hasn't fought in two years. Yep. And he's lost three in a row, I believe you said, right? Mm -hmm. But those three were against John Jones, Anthony Smith, and, you know, Verdum at heavyweight. And Verdum caught him with submission. Right, it was an arm bar. Yeah, Yeah, it was early. So Bad matchup, too. Verdum at heavyweight in your first bite back after taking time off, and you maybe have those nerves in the beginning. Yeah. That's the wrong dude to be in there with. But anyway. Right. If you ask some people, they would tell you that Verdum is the greatest heavyweight of all time. Yeah. You know, and then obviously John Jones, greatest light heavyweight of all time. Fuck him, but he is the greatest light heavyweight of all time. Maybe <laughs> the greatest ever of all time. And Anthony Smith is a top level contender with experience. So and those are on a roll at that point, too. Right. And Gustafson, you know, had time in between all those fights. So maybe the two years off training is what he needed. I hope he is older for sure. He's got a lot of miles on him, but he's one of my favorite fighters, so I'm going to go with him. Krylov is great. I just think that Alexander's fight IQ is going to carry him through on this one. I'm going to go with Gustafson by decision. I think it's going to be a a very back-and-forth fight, but I'm going to go with decision Gustafson. I like it. Then we got Patty Pimblett and Jordan Levitt. Let's take a look here. We got Patty Pimblett, 18 and 3, 6 KOs, 8 subs, 4 decisions. Patty gets it done any way you want to go about it. He's had performance of the night twice. He's a former Cage Warriors fighting championship at Featherweight. He had another Featherweight title, full contact contender. I don't know much about that promotion, but. At the end of the day, you know, Addy's just been building to be this star. Jordan Leavitt, he's 10 and 1, 1 KO, 6 subs, 3 decisions, performance of the night one time. Three out of his last four fights have been wins, two fight win streak. But I think Jordan's just getting fed to Patty here. I think that's the idea, right? We're building Patty. I say Patty gets a first round submission. Yeah. And as we have here are comments here, it hurts to hear you say John Jones is that great. <laughs> yeah, it hurts me to say it, but. Facts are facts, you know? Absolutely. So, Patty and Jordan, I I think Jordan's a super dangerous opponent for most guys, but I would say Patty stylistically is maybe one of the worst matchups in the division for him because Patty has a great ground game, but he also has power on the feet, which Jordan doesn't really have. So I think Patty is going to just lean on his stand-up early on. There's no way that he's going to let Jordan Levitt knock him out or submit him and then tweak over his body. So that will never happen. So uh, I think Patty, I'm going to go with Patty KO round one. But I hope we get to see a little bit of grappling. You know, I kind of hope it's not a first round knockout. We get to see a little bit of grappling. But I'm thinking Patty just goes right at him and clips him early knockout. I also want to point out, I think that comment was a little judgmental towards you. But that's okay. We, we support <laughs> all comments. That's my wife, everyone. She's allowed to. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, and if anyone knows, oh, you know, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, Jacker Manson is next, 22 and 7, 11 KOs, six subs, five decisions, but he's lost two out of his last three, although those were to Marvin Vittori and Sean Strickland. Tough. So no rushes there. Jack has had fight of the night, performance of the night one time. He's had most significant strikes landed in a five round middleweight bout against Shakari Souza. I thought that was interesting. Chris Curtis, though, 29 and 8, 16 KOs, one sub, 12 decision, eight fight win streak he's already three and oh in the ufc performance of the night already curtis has momentum i think he's probably the underdog here but i like him because i like that momentum although he is going to be against a favorite in the crowd and those english fans radio don't seem to push their people to victory but i'm gonna say one upset here I, one upset's gotta happen i'm gonna say chris curtis and i'm gonna say he can't submit this guy and he won't beat him in a decision so i'm gonna say he catches him and i'm gonna say it's gonna be round three that's funny. We're pretty much on the same page here. So obviously it's a bummer that we don't get to see Darren Till, who was supposed to be Hermanson's original opponent, but I don't think this is a super great matchup for him anyway. So, uh, you know, hopefully he heals up soon. But as far as Chris Curtis stepping in for him, Hermanson has great submission skills, but he's too willing to engage in a firefight on the feet. And I don't think Chris Curtis especially the Chris Curtis we're seeing right now in the UFC is the person that you want to do that with. He's calm and composed and dangerous on the feet. So I think he's going to upset him, you know, on short notice. And uh, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a third round TKO for Chris Curtis. Yeah. Okay. I can't, I didn't think we'd be on the same page with that one, but I'm glad we are. We'll see what happens. Curtis blades, Tom Aspinall, Main event. This should be a good one. 16 and three. Three is Curtis Blades. 11 KOs, five decisions. He's won six out of his last seven. With that one loss, he got caught by Derek Lewis. Performance of the night three times. He's had most takedowns in a fight in UFC heavyweight history. He's going to bring some heavy duty grapple into this contest. Tom Aspinall, 12 and two, nine KOs, three subs. Never been to the distance. Two losses early in his career. One, he got caught in submission and one, he was disqualified. The guy is on an eight fight win streak. Performance of the night four times. Tom finishes fights. He seems to be the real deal. This is probably the toughest stylistic fight he could have, but it also shows what a badass and what confidence he has because he could have probably shied away from this fight and probably they try to get around it. No, he says, I'll take Curtis Blades. I'll take him in my hometown. Some people consider that the home field disadvantage, right? Because all the pressure's on you to win and now he has to show up. I like it. I like this kid's style. I like everything he does. Not that I can't see Blades pulling off a boring win. He will do everything he can to do that. But I'm going to say Tom gets it done. And if you're going to get it done against Curtis Blades, you don't usually do it by decision. So that, to me, says Tom is probably going to finish him. I'll say TKO, and I'll say round three again. Oh, man, we're really on the same page here today. (laughs) I'm a big fan of both of these guys, for sure. But I do have a, a favorite going into this fight. So Tom's never been taken down in the UFC. He will 100% be taken down in this fight and be on his back at some point. But he has a black belt in jiu-jitsu. So I, I think we're going to find out how important that is for him because I think he's going to need it to get up. And if he can withstand Curtis's wrestling, not take a lot of damage when he is on his back because Curtis is dangerous with those elbows and his ground and pound, ask uh, Alistair Overeem. They're going to be seeing a lot of the highlights of him busting open Alistair on the ground in their fight but that's a big ass to ask him not to take a lot of damage on the ground but i think he can tire curtis out and then swarm him on the fees the faster guy and 
and more technical. Although Curtis has improved his footwork and his striking, I, I still say Tom is the faster and more technical. I think this might be the first time Tom is fighting someone who is more athletic than him, though. And that'll be his biggest problem. But I like both guys, but I'm pulling for Tom with a, with a fight in London. And I'm going to go with Tom by TKO in round three. All right. That's what we like to hear. So I think that'll be it. We're both sweating profusely, but before yep. we get out of here, why don't you tell everybody what we got coming up? July 30th, we're going to be previewing UFC 277, Pena versus Nunez 2. Then August 6th, we'll be previewing UFC Fight Night, Santos versus Hill. We'll be talking about Jake Paul, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what there is to say, but we might talk about it a little bit. And then August 13th, UFC Fight Night, Vera versus Cruz. I'm excited for that one. That's a good matchup. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. The good fight's coming ahead. We'll be always here talking about it. Combat Cast, thanks for showing up, and thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate you. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 